It's not fun when your marketing isn't able to support or grow your business. But it's exponentially worse when your marketing pains are self-inflicted. Present day, entrepreneurs have more ways of independently marketing their businesses than they had 25 years ago. And the reach went from local regional to worldwide thanks to the internet. Just one question, could people be doing it so wrong that it's working against them? You're listening to It All Works. I'm your host, Jason Wheeler, and this is episode 10, Self-Inflicted Marketing Pain. It's great that we can do all these things to get eyes on our business, but a lot of people didn't stop for a second to wonder if they were doing it right or doing it so wrong it's hurting them. They built a business with a special product or service, and then they took the role of being a marketing expert too. Well, a high percentage didn't succeed, and there are quite a few suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. Most of you didn't plan on being marketing professionals. However, you saw the value in learning how to promote your business online. Businesses are small, and unless you can afford to hire an agency, your best and only bet is on you. But beware, there are things you could be doing that not only aren't working as you thought, but because you are willfully doing them, you are inflicting pain on yourself and your business. I'm going deep on five different ways entrepreneurs are torturing themselves. There are various ways it happens. They could be failing to see the importance of something necessary. They could be hasty, lazy, or even overwhelmed to realize what they are doing is a terrible mistake and a waste of their precious time, effort, and money. Let's get to it. The first one I'm going to discuss is about marketing plans. There are plans, and then there are plans. I know this is going to sound a little bit silly, but to be honest, we all actually have a plan. Even if you don't have a plan, that's a plan. But when it comes to planning, sometimes people just call it in. They go about making a plan, whatever they think that might be, without really looking into what it should be. There, they've done a plan. Plan done. And they don't think about it ever again. Somebody asked them, did you make a plan? They said, yes, of course, I've got a plan. But it might not be enough. Some people don't like to plan. The reason they don't like to plan is because they might feel that they lose some sort of flexibility with their marketing. If they set a schedule or a calendar to do certain things at a specific time, maybe they don't want to hold themselves accountable, or maybe they just want the flexibility to be able to change things on the fly. It doesn't matter. Some people just don't like it. When it comes to marketing and planning your marketing, it's very different. Because marketing has the ability to be very, very flexible all the time, but at the same time, it needs planning. There are big things that you want to plan in your marketing plan, and then there are small things that you might not get into the detail of, where you might actually leave those spaces open for something a little bit more ad hoc. Something I want to stress is, when you create a marketing plan, it should be able to give you the sense that there's a possibility that it's actually going to work. In other words, if you do the math, if you do the planning and the strategy, if you do the work and follow that plan, there's a good possibility it'll work. A heck of a lot better than if you didn't have a plan at all. I used to be a marketing manager for a corporation. Every year, we had to make a marketing plan. And this happened maybe five or six months before the actual financial year started. And the interesting thing about the process was, is we kind of reversed engineered it. We would end up taking a goal that we had in mind, and we would try to figure out what we would need to do in order to make it happen. We would try to figure out what kind of targets to set for individuals, how many individuals we had to set those targets with, and then the overall master plan. What was the strategy? 
What are the different promotions? What are the different things that we're going to do in order to hit that number? At the end of the day, we had to come up with a plan that almost assured us, if we followed it, that we would hit our target. And the other reason we did such a detailed plan, and I kid you not, it was almost set to daily goals when we first designed it. The reason we set it is we could easily detect if the plan wasn't working very early on and we need to make adjustments. We could easily detect if maybe a team member wasn't pulling their weight and was failing the plan. One way or another, having a plan is sort of holding yourself accountable. And I know some people don't like that, but it is a fantastic tool to be able to keep you on track and to be able to discover what's working and what is not. What some people overlook about a plan is, is that a plan will account for your time. Some people will go through their entire year doing their marketing without accounting for their time and the effort that they're putting into it. When you have a plan, you know whether you're staying on track, on time, whether you're spending too much time on it or not. But what you're actually doing with the plan is you're actually planning out how much time you're going to spend doing it. For people who aren't marketing experts and your business is in an entirely different industry, you need to focus on that. So being able to compartmentalize or schedule in your marketing by using the plan, it's a safe way of making sure that you have time to do the thing that you do best. Now, there are some people that do go a little bit deeper into making a plan. And sometimes they get a bit extravagant. They look at an open calendar and they see this wide open space and they feel that they need to fill it up with a bunch of things. And if they fill it, then it's going to work because you're doing so much. That's not really the way it's supposed to be. A marketing plan should be more like a story. I know that sounds really, really weird. But when you think about it, if you start right at the beginning of the year, and you go right to the end of the year, however your industry works, there is sort of a storyline that goes along the way. There are certain things that you might get into promoting or you might actually attempt to do at a specific time of year that works in your industry, and maybe it doesn't work in another, but one way or another, it's sort of like a plot in a story. So you have to make sure that you actually do things that make sense along the way and make sense for the storyline, I suppose, too. One of the most important things, obviously, is the level of detail. Now, I could tell you that going into extreme detail would be fantastic, but that would be a lie. Actually, you want to go into as much detail as you can until you are sure that your marketing plan is going to work for you. But you don't have to go down all the way down to the micro, micro, micro details. You leave that stuff as you're doing the work. You also have to leave yourself space and time to do ad hoc things for your marketing. And you know what? I know there are some people here that might be very experienced business owners and they've been around for a while. I know this might sound like something you've heard before, but the truth is, is marketing plans aren't just for beginners. They're for experts too. Experts know this. People who are well-seasoned in business, they know this. Without a plan, you are setting yourself up for failure. It's not the type of thing that you do so that you can understand what you're supposed to do and then after a couple of years of doing planning and everything like that, you go, you know what, I've got this. I'm now going to move on to actually doing it without actually, you know, creating a plan. It's not like learning how to ride a bike without holding onto the handlebars. And then all of a sudden you can do it from that point onward. And there you go. It's not like that at all. In actual fact, as you become more experienced in your business, you might actually be creating better plans as you go along. So don't ever consider dropping the plan out of your concept. If business is going well, a plan will always make it go better. What you're trying to do is you're trying to plan for success. 
when you actually execute something that's on your plan, it's either really, really going to work for you, or maybe it's not going to work as much as you thought, or maybe it's going to completely fail. But plan gives you a way to alter and accommodate for those failures. And it gives you a way to alter and accommodate for the things that succeed. You might actually have some early successes in your plan, and you might realize that you might want to do that same thing again later on in the year, or duplicate it into the following year, or take something out later on. There's lots of things that you can do to move around. At least if you have a plan, you know what you're going to do next without having to think, oh, next quarter, what am I going to promote? How am I going to get more business? You don't want to have to be thinking about that. If you did the planning ahead of time, what you're actually going to be doing is the actual work of executing it. And that's a lot easier. The second self-inflicted marketing pain is about pushing out content. You've probably heard people talk about content like it should be produced and distributed rapidly. That something is better than nothing, or something good is better than perfect. It's very catchy, but it's a concept that backfires most of the time. Do you ever wonder why people are telling you to rush, to get content out there, you know, to break things and to hustle, and that it's healthy to fail more? You know, if you have enough failures, all of a sudden you're going to succeed because one of the things that you're going to do is actually going to work. From my experience, I've seen people push this agenda on others. The end result is, is it gets people to actually pay for more services, hire more people for help, and make you spend a lot more money. Now, that's not really fair. You're doing so much more work. You're doing the creative work. You're putting the energy into it. All because somebody tells you you got to do it at breakneck speed just so you can get your message out there. When really, you should take a little bit more time before you actually do it. It's not that you should actually move slow. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. I mean, if you're going to do anything, at least do it right, and then do that as quickly as possible. But don't be haphazard about it, and don't go on a rampage trying to push content out there because somebody tells you that that's the greatest thing you can do. When you're creating content, the value is in your message. And I'm a niche guy, so I'm always going to tell you that your message needs to be really, really targeted. If you go about creating content really, really quickly and pushing it out as fast as you can, you might be doing it so fast that your ability to make sure that your message is in there properly, your ability to target people properly is good. And on top of it, you might confuse the people that are following you. You might actually inundate them with so much content that they might not enjoy it at all. If the whole rushing theory worked, and it's a good idea for anybody, then how come Apple and Nike haven't been, like, putting out everything that crosses their mind? I mean, they've got the money to do it. They could hire every agency in the world to actually push out content of anything that passes through their mind. And I know, you're not a big corporation, and they are. Just because they're a big corporation doesn't mean they can't be careful about what they do and have a plan in place of how they're actually going to execute their content. And they don't rush around doing it. They might put out a lot more content and a lot more markets. But at the end of the day, they're not pushing out stuff that's crazy, that just comes to mind. And then the next thing you know, it's out into the internet. They don't do that. And neither should you. What you should be doing is curating your own content. Always putting the best stuff out there. And filtering out some of the stuff that doesn't work so well. You're going to show them the work that makes sense. The one that stays on message, the one that stays within your niche, the one that's meant for the people that are your ideal client or potential customers. Don't be the class clown because people tell you it will get you attention. It's the wrong type of attention. Your content must be on message, quality work that is shared at the right time to the right audience. I didn't say it has to be perfect, but it's as close as you can get. 
and it's the best you can do and you should do. The third one is a beauty, and almost everyone has done this and a lot still do. It's creating conformative content. I don't want to say that this type of content is like plagiarizing somebody else's work. There are trends that happen with content where people start to do a certain type of graphic, and then people actually start to do very similar things for their own. And it's great that you can actually get ideas from other people, but people are not diversifying it enough. They're not changing it enough. They're not putting their own spin on it enough. They're doing things that seem like they're jumping on the trend or on the fad. Trends are good, but if you're not first, you're probably last. Trends do come along. It's usually the person that comes out with the original concept that gets way out ahead because people respect that. It's new and it's fresh. But then when other people actually duplicate it, the other people look at that and some might be attracted to it because maybe they haven't seen the original person. For the large majority that have seen the original content, they will look at you and say, well, there's a ran also. Just another person in the race, and they're just trying to do what the other one does. You don't end up getting that authentic view that people have of the original person. What it shows is that you might lack creativity. And there are some people that will actually accidentally do this over and over again. They will look for the trends and look for the fads. And they will endeavor to actually create content that is very similar to other people's content or very similar to what's going on out there. You don't stand out. You actually blend in. And who wants to blend in? I've had people actually talk to me about what they're going to do and the type of graphics they're going to make or the type of promotion they're going to do. And it's so similar to something that they saw from somebody else. And they talk about it like if they don't do it, it's like this fear of missing out thing that's going to happen. There are two different concepts in life. <laughs> that I compare this to. I compare it to fishing and fashion. The way I think of it, how it compares to fishing, if I'm out on a river and I'm fishing and I start catching fish, there's a likelihood that my father might actually ask me, what are you doing? What are you using as bait? Where are you fishing? What spot? And everything like that. And what happens next? Well, my father will actually use the same bait as me and maybe try and do the exact same thing as me. The problem with that is, is eventually the fish get wise. And they see this, and now it's no longer original. And then they stop biting, because all of a sudden, the thing that they thought was rare, that they were actually going for, is actually not rare at all. And there's a good chance you just spooked everything off. When it comes to fashion, a lot of people can relate to this. When a new fashion comes out, it's great, you know? You see it and you're like, wow, that looks really, really good, and I'd really like to wear that. It's great because the early adopters come in and they buy it up, and they start wearing it. Everybody thinks it looks great. And then all of a sudden it gains massive attention. And then a lot of people start wearing it. A lot of people start purchasing it. And not to mention, a lot of people start producing that same fashion in the industry. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people, the majority of the people are actually following this trend. You know what ends up happening? Everybody starts blending in. Now, the only good that comes out of blending in is it gives birth to the next big thing. But how do you feel if you're the person that is going to the rack and buying the clothes just so you can look like everybody else. Do you feel original? Or maybe that's your MO. Maybe you just want to blend in so nobody notices you. Either way, I don't think it's a good idea to do conformative content. When you do something that other people do, people will notice that you're actually copying them. And it's not a good thing to have on your resume. Creative is doing it your way. Doing your thing the way you would do it. And the important part about that is People will get to know you better because it's yours. It's 100% authentically yours. I can't help but talk about authenticity. It was a very big word a couple of years ago. 
or even a few more years, maybe five or six years ago. And everybody wanted to say that, you know, their product or their service or the way they did things was authentic. And it really didn't take. One thing is for sure, strategies fade when they're repeated. And the bad ones fade even faster. If you have a good strategy or a trend that you're doing or something that you're duplicating, it will have some longevity because it's genuinely good. But if it's a bad one, it's going to go out fast. They're going to dislike it, and they're going to talk about it, and then it's done. There is a trend that actually just started up recently. There's a new app called Clubhouse, and a lot of people are trying to jump on this thing. But what I'm noticing is a lot of people are doing very similar things to what the original people that were on there first are doing. They're not being very creative and adding their own spin on it or doing something original with that new medium. You don't get to be an early adopter or become a groundbreaker and earn that status by doing duplication. As soon as you step into an area and you start doing what everybody else is doing, nobody is going to look at you like an original. I hope people really actually take a closer look at this. I know it's something that's difficult because there's so many different things out there that are going on that you feel like maybe no matter what you do, you're actually duplicating it. If you take a closer look at what you do, maybe try and look at how much more of you you can put into your content. And when you're thinking about coming up with ideas, don't always make it the jump to to actually look at somebody else's and try and duplicate that. The fourth is something I'm slowly getting people to understand. It's their niche. And I can tell you, unless I have a couple of hours one-on-one with people, it's the only way I can get them to see what's going wrong, what needs to change, and explain how it can help. One thing is for sure, you definitely have a niche, whether you like it or not. Whether you know what it is or not, you have a niche, okay? So for all those people that are like going, I'm not doing the niche thing, you have it already. It's just you don't understand it. Maybe you haven't clearly defined it or you haven't found it. The one thing I can tell you is, if you try to operate your business without understanding it thoroughly and defining it, you're actually going about your business blind. The whole time, you could be talking to the wrong people with the wrong message and not even know it. I've seen a lot of people make this mistake where they're actually lurking in the wrong places to find their potential audience. If you have a niche and you know it and you clearly understand it, you know exactly where your people are going to be hanging out. Okay? Yes. It's, it's going to be a little bit tougher in the beginning, but what you really, really want to do is be able to find them and connect with those people. And understanding your niche is a big part of that. The other thing, too, is you could spend a lot of time twisting, pivoting, trying to connect with people, and they might not be the right ones. And you don't realize that they're totally not for you. And the message that you're giving them isn't exactly hitting home. And the mistake people are making is instead of actually doing the hard work of discovering their niche, They're actually tailoring their message to fit the audience that they've just gained. And ultimately, you could be going way off course. Because when you start altering your message, it's not in line with exactly what you're really gifted at. So you are putting yourself in a situation where you might have to really, really pivot hard in your skill set in order to accommodate this, when it is actually so much easier to stay in your circle of competence Find the right people and give them your message, the thing that you're really, really good at. If you don't understand your niche, you might not even be articulating your message properly. You might understand internally exactly what you know about what you do or what your product does. But if you don't understand your niche thoroughly, you might not actually find the words to properly get the attention of your ideal customer or client. The other mistake people make is they actually go too broad. 
Instead of specifically winding down to the exact thing that they actually do, they sort of go a little bit more broader to ensure that it encompasses where their people are. But by doing that, they're actually making such a broad conversation that it's not really speaking to anybody. You're just really putting information out there and it's not really connecting and people really don't know if it's for them because it's not precise enough. One thing I want to say about niche is this. The longer people ignore that niching in is an opportunity, the more their competition will take up spaces that they could have had themselves. There are people that are conquering very, very tiny niches. They are becoming the market leaders of a very small niche. And it could be your one because you're not actually going into detail like they have. And what happens next? You're going to have to face off against that competition that has every inch of your specific niche covered if you don't get it right. So getting it right is the best thing to do. And the sooner, the better. You're not going to be able to do that if you're going to be vague. People need to snap out of it and start niching in. You might not like the idea of doing niche work, and maybe you're a denier, and I don't think that's healthy either. There's a lot of people that I've spoken to, even though I've tried to help them, that they think the whole idea of doing this niche work is just a waste of time, simply because they know in their heart and they know in their mind what their business is all about. They don't need to write it out. They don't really need to explore this, but it's wrong. It is wrong. You need to have this work done so you can go forward competently produce content that will work for you, produce a message that will help you, produce something that will help you connect with your ideal client. And the funny thing is, is most of the time when I'm dealing with those people, their number one problem is, is that they're not getting enough eyes on their business and they're not connecting with people well enough and people aren't jumping at their offers. And I'm hearing all these problems and here I am trying to offer the answer, but instead they deny wanting to do the work. They deny that the process actually will work. If this is a problem you're facing in your business and you have a niche problem, you don't realize it. It will continue to be a problem until you get it right. Or the other alternative is eventually it will take you down. I've seen people that have just stuck to their guns about what their business is about and just followed through and then eventually it just wore them out and they actually had to start over. The fifth and last one is probably the most popular choice amongst people who truly love sabotaging themselves into submission. It's when you stop trying or give up just before you're about to break through. It's tough to recognize because we formulate a story about how it all went wrong. And the last thing we think is that we gave up. We tell ourselves that this isn't going to work because it hasn't worked yet. And you proved that. You've done everything in your power to make it work. And no matter what you did, it just didn't work out. People actually convince themselves that something is actually broken. They have a situation where their business isn't going the way they think it should. And they say to themselves, something is broken in here. And they might not seek people to help them find the answers. They might not do everything possible. They might not think of it properly. Sometimes people think others have an unfair advantage and there's no room for you to succeed. I know of people that have walked into a particular niche in a particular industry and they've walked in and they said, this is the thing that I want to do. But you know what? I'm not going to make any headway because there are like a dozen people in here and two of them are absolute beasts monstrous in the industry and there's no way I'm going to get heard because they've already got it covered. So it's time for me to give up and move on. What people don't realize is there is a point where you actually try to work really, really hard at your business. You start up just by starting, you actually reach the top 50%. You're in the top half and that's great. It feels like success. You've actually done something positive. You've gone from zero to top 50% 
in the first stages of your business. It's great. But then getting to the top 10%, it seems grueling. And you really, really struggle. And you might have used up a lot of resources. And you can't seem to be able to get yourself to do any more. You feel like you're stressed out and stretched beyond your capacity. And that's normal. It's normal because as you try to rise to the top of your niche, it takes a lot more work in order to get to the top. And that's okay. But what actually happens is in this particular spot, it's so uphill that you feel that you're not making any progress. As a matter of fact, sometimes you actually feel like you're actually slipping backwards. You've worked so hard to get in the top 50%. You've really, really worked hard to get into the top 10%. And then when you actually really want to go forward, you feel like you're just burning up so much energy, it's exhausting. You're wasting so much money and investing so much into it, and it's just burning up. And you feel like your creative juices are failing you. And then you start feeling like you're falling. And you don't feel any forward progress for a while. Even though your business is actually running. Maybe not the way you want it to. Maybe it's not giving you the income that you need. But there's still something there. Sometimes people just basically throw it all the way. And the problem with that is you have to consistently, when you're in that realm of the top 10%, you have to consistently be keeping your message going out there. Not everybody has heard your message. No matter how big you are in this world, there are so many people that have never heard of that person. It's unreasonable to think that everybody has heard you out, understands what you're all about, and has made a decision that you are not for them. So while you're actually doing the hard work of trying to to climb, to try and succeed, you're feeling like you're not, when actually you're doing the hard work that is necessary. There was a great book that was written by uh, Seth Godin called The Dip. And it speaks about this specifically, how people actually have tried to push themselves and they, they keep on doing the hard work and they're doing great stuff and everything like that. And they get to a point where they, they just all of a sudden just give up. They're feeling exhausted. They're done. They're out. And it's that particular point. They gave up just before they could have made it. And the reason he discussed this and the reason I'm talking about it now is because there are a lot of people that experience the exact same thing. And the only difference was is they didn't quit. They just kept on doing it. They changed things up. They came up with new strategies. They tried new things. They got some extra help. But eventually, they connected with the right people, whether it was people helping them or they connected with the right potential client or the right customer. And all of a sudden, things just exploded. The other thing that people do is instead of giving up completely is they might pivot extremely. It's like a hard reset and it's almost like starting over. And then they get that feeling of success again because they pivoted and they've started over. So they get from zero to 50% again. And all of a sudden they feel like they've done something successful when really you're only just doing what every other business does is it has early success. And that's the thing that you're feeling. There are people that are very successful that could have given up right at that point where it was just becoming a little bit overwhelming and daunting. For example, Gary Vee could have stopped doing his YouTube videos after the first year when he used to do his wine library. And he would have just been considered the best little wine shop clerk you would have never heard of in Jersey. That's what would have happened if he had given up. Another example is Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc was one of the guys that helped build out McDonald's. He could have given up on McDonald's when the concept of selling franchises wasn't working and when the early franchisers started screwing around with the format and they weren't sticking with the program. He could have said, this is too much, I quit. And then you would have never heard about McDonald's ever. And this happens to actors and singers and athletes, and it really happens in business. The one thing I can tell you is to get to that top 1% is a consistency play. You have to continue to learn and grow and create critical mass of credibility and respect 
And then people will actually notice it and everybody will know who you are and you will succeed. It takes time for greatness. And when you launch your career or your business, it doesn't have to be the same trajectory as a rocket. It doesn't always have to break through the upper atmosphere in the first shot. And if you believe you are falling and you're actually in a holding pattern, then you're going to fall. And that's when most people pull the ejection cord. So please, please, please do not give up so easily. Take a good look at what's happening. Ask others. And you might realize there maybe there's some things that need to change instead of turning around and walking away from it. Making it all work. This one is different. I'm not about to tell you what to do next. What I want to share is it's likely that you're not just doing one of these things to yourself. When I think of some people I've helped and others I've observed, I would say that they are inflicting three or more of these things at the same time. I have done this to myself too, and it's important to figure out. Also, you have to be humble and aware that you can accidentally slip back into doing these things to yourself over and over. And these are just five of the many things that you could be doing, but believe me, they are important ones. So my suggestion is, in one sentence, plan wisely, create quality, be original, be specific, and don't give up at the wrong time. I hope you've enjoyed the 10th episode of the It All Works podcast on self-inflicted marketing pain. I sadly have a lot of experience with these personally and helping others with them. If you feel you need help or would like to ask a question about this topic, please feel free to email me from the episode page of this podcast. You can find it at itallworks.com. I continue the conversation about each weekly podcast topic in the It All Works Facebook group. You can join in and get extra content I post in there on this topic and meet some of the best members I could ever ask for. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to sharing with you next week. Take care.